Ghostly Thistle presents The Antique Shop Episode 47 The Fulfilled Wishes We had a full house for a change. Except I was somehow inexplicably still alone doing in the shop. It had started with a bet between my two familiars about the most recent item in storage that Finn had become interested in. I didn't really catch all of the details, but it ended with the two of them buggering off to storage telling me to come and find them if they hadn't come back in a few hours. Kronos, seeing where the conversation had been going, retreated to the peace and quiet of the madam's lap. I began to clean, waiting eagerly for the next customer. When the bell echoed round the cavern, I whipped my eyes gleefully to the door but felt my face drop slightly when I saw Flora. It must have been bad because she joked that I looked disappointed, but reassured me that what she had to tell me was just as good as any customer's tale. I went to fetch the madam and Kronos as Flora said she didn't have time to sit for tea. She starts to tell us that for a few months she's been tracking a rather strange item. The as-yet-unidentified object could reportedly grant wishes. I glanced at Kronos. He looked at me, and if cats could narrow their eyes in contempt, he woulda. It wasn't long before I heard a Don't say it is a lamp in my head. As much as I didn't believe in the story of Aladdin, whichever version you want to use, it had to be based in some kind of reality. Given all of the items in the shop, there had to be more out there, unaccounted for. Why wouldn't one of those grant wishes? Seems too good to be true. Almost like there's a catch. Flora noticed my face contort into scepticism, waiting for the sour grape. She let a smirk dance on her lips and said, yes, it wasn't as simple as granting wishes. Just like in the darker versions of Aladdin and his lamp, this object did give the wisher what they wanted. Technically. You wish to be married? One drunken elopement to someone you've known for a few months and who's actually been stealing for your bank account since day one? You can't complain. You're married. You got what you asked for. You wished for bairns? You marry someone who has bairns, so you become a step-parent. But find out you're infertile. You can't complain. You have bairns. They're just no yours by blood. You wished for a promotion at work. It's yours for the steep price a loathing for everyone you work with 
especially those underneath you. They gossip about you, treat you like shite, and ostracise you whenever they have an opportunity. Your underlings didn't respect you, and your superiors think you're a walking doormat. You can't complain. You wanted a promotion. Sounds great. Why was Flora looking for this thing? Speaking of, what was this non-lamp? A button. At least, Flora thought it was a button. She'd never laid eyes on it herself, and tracking it down was proven to be difficult. But she was fairly certain that it was a very old ivory button, dating to at least the 14th century, perhaps older. The previous owner had been very careful not to broadcast it about that they were in possession of a wish-granting button. So records of where it had come from and its centuries-long journey were on the thin side. However, the only reason Flora had heard about it recently was because the previous owner was dead and their estate sold during an auction. What's the chance of this button being the only vicious thing this person owned? Why did I get the feeling that was going to cause problems later down the line? The new owner wasn't so subtle, and according to Flora, had been renting out the button to the highest bidder. For Christ's sake, does everything have to make money these days? Understandably, the owner's customers weren't too happy about the way wishes were granted. But guess what? You got what you wanted in the end, so you can't complain. I hope this person has their own estate in order, because they're not going to be long for this world with an attitude like that. Flora wanted to tell the madam so she could arrange to have this button moved into storage, where it could do no harm. She evidently didn't know about Finn. The madam nodded, and Flora left after thanking us, and before any useful questions could be asked, like who was the new owner? Where could we find them? Instead, I asked my boss, with a faint hope that she'd have a divining rod of some kind that would just lead me to the problem. The rabbit will show you the way. I'm always waiting for the punchline with my boss, and two years later I'm yet to hear one. Yet, there was something familiar about what she said. Hadn't I followed a brown rabbit more than a few times in the past? One that no one else but me could see. How did she know? And what the fuck was that thing? The wee man was my guide. A spirit of sorts, an extension of the deeper party myself that was a lot smarter than I was. A secret sense that had been trying to guide me since day one. Understanding that I was dense, it had manifested itself as a rabbit to show me the way to things I needed to see or people I needed to find. The more I became in tune with my sense, the more I began to listen to it, the less I'd seen in my wee cotton-tailed pal. But I hadn't bridged that gap enough to just begin walking and end up where I needed to be. 
so I'd once again have to follow my pal. Madame Norna motioned to the door, and right enough, there it was waiting. I'm glad no one could see that I wasn't merely walking down the street aimlessly, but following a mental projection a some vault deep in my mind that had limited access. No public transport was needed, although it was a long walk. We eventually came to a wee builder's cafe that served fried everything and offered the option of putting sugar in your hot chocolate. As I opened the door, my wee pal made a beeline straight for a young lad, who could have been no older than 25, sitting at a table. He looked at me when I came in, then away, evidently know who he was expecting. He obviously didn't see my wee pal, who promptly disappeared knew that its duty was done. I take a seat further inside the cafe, facing the door so I can keep an eye on this lad. As much as I trusted my inner self, I wasn't sure how useful it'd be to approach this lad immediately. I ordered a full Scottish breakfast, because what's a Thursday without second breakfast? And a coffee. I could only have taken my phone out for a few seconds, skimmed through the subject line of the latest email for uni, when I felt a familiar sensation. A familiar presence. Like gas for a leaking pipe. I glanced up, and there she was. Madame Anora, sitting opposite me at this cafe. Before I could say anything, one of the women who worked there delivered my plate a high cholesterol with bottles of brown and red sauce, placing it down between Anora and I. The brief look of disgust on my company's face is something I'll treasure. After sliding my plate towards me and picking up my fork, I commented that we'd been seeing a lot of each other lately. I didn't mean it as a good thing. She said nothing. I asked her what she wanted, to give me more cryptic warnings. Madame Anora wanted my help. To destroy fate. My food turned to ash in my mouth so suddenly I had to look down at my plate to confirm it hadn't actually arrived as charcoal. What the fuck was this woman on? Noticing my revulsion at this statement, she carried on. Ever since I'd known her, Madame Anora had been trying to get out for beneath fate's control. She didn't want to be a madam anymore. She wanted her freedom. The very first time I'd met her in the shop, she'd been coming to have a talk with my boss about this very thing, hoping to get her on side. This hadn't worked as she planned, so her next idea was to get me, make a deal with an apprentice for them to cease being an apprentice. This hadn't worked either. She knew she couldn't kill me. That was news to me. 
but apparently, since I'm fated to become a madam, I can't actually die until I fulfil that fate. Her next opportunity was agreeing to work with the academic that I put into a home last year. But again, I'd ruined that opportunity as well. Seeing a trend, Madame Minora had decided to involve me directly with her plans. What a fucking nutter! She's proof that age does not bring wisdom, or even sense. Even if what she was trying to do were possible, why the fuck would I help someone who has tried to hurt my pals on multiple occasions and has openly admitted to considering killing me? I blurted as much, but Honora had come prepared. She reminded me of the time she had pointed Reed and I in a dying Finn's direction. Without her interference, I wouldn't have been able to make my deal with death to save his life. In all the chaos and heartbreak of the last few months, I'd brushed this fact aside. How had she known where Finn was and what had happened to him? Turns out the dauber who'd killed Finn in that alleyway had gone to a Nora for a weapon strong enough to kill a wyvern, and being her twisted self, she'd supplied it. But she assured me that almost immediately afterwards, she came to seek me out and tell me. Before I could retaliate, she also slipped in a reminder that if it weren't for her, Wapiti Sturi would still be roaming free, or even worse, trapped in a prison that she didn't deserve. What a sly cow! Everything this woman does is calculated, everything she says borders on manipulation. But hadn't I done the same thing we Wapiti? spared her in exchange for a favour. I'll admit, the realisation that I was more similar to Madame Honora than my boss still chills me. I hated to acknowledge that Honora had a fucking point. If she hadn't come to the shop the day Finn died, we'd have been none the wiser. If she hadn't cryptically warned me that there was more to Wapiti's story than I knew, then it'd be her in the book, and know the awful husband for the tale. I didn't even have the moral high ground to stand on, because it's no like I've been an angel this last year. Huffing irritably, I asked her what this grand plan of hers was, the one that would somehow defeat the being that lingered over our heads like a storm cloud. <laughs> she didn't even have one. She had approached me, knowing how bloody fond I was there, and wit, just expected me to come up with a plan to clip the wings of arguably the most powerful being in the world. Christ, what had this woman taken? I was growing irritated by this point given she distracted me from my job for no good reason. The madams were as old as humanity itself, fate ruling over them and everything else. Yet this one madam Anora was dissatisfied and wanted out, so she was going to take on fate. 
I don't think there's been a madam who wasn't unhappy with her situation. I'm not even madam and I'm no that eager to take that mantle. This is the way the world works. Everyone has a fate and everyone must follow it or dire consequences follow. Madam Honora may have no one she cares about, no one who'll face the consequences for her mutiny. But I do. And she can fuck right off if she thinks I'm having anything to do with this. I stood up, my chair scratching painfully on the tiled floor. I told her that there was a part of me that would love for fate no to exist, to get out for underneath the burden that's waiting for me, but that it was impossible. Only something as powerful as fate could beat it, and currently there was no such thing. I stormed over to the lad. I hadn't noticed, in the midst of my heated discussion, that he had a customer of his own. Before a package could be exchanged between the two, I swiped it for his hands. He went to stand up for his chair, but I dug my hand into his shoulder and drove him back into his seat with more force than I thought I possessed. I could feel the lulling hum through my veins and in my ears, a tingling through my entire body as though something wanted to get out to hurt someone. Digging my fingers deeper into his skin, watching his face contort with realisation that the button wasn't the only strangely powerful thing in the world. I told him I was taking the wish-fulfilling item before he could cause more harm and walked out. When I got back to the shop, I opened up the small package and Flora had been right. A small ivory button was wrapped inside. I picked it up, ran my fingers over the smooth surface and wondered, briefly, if I wished for fate to disappear, would it work? Thankfully, my inner sense and I were in agreement this time. I may be stupid, but I wasn't that stupid. She starts to tell us that a few months, oops, nope, <laughs> that a few months, no, given all the items in the shop, there had to be more out there, unaccounted for. Unaccounted for, yeah. <laughs> Trying to decide how to pronounce things in Scottish when you're Scottish. <laughs> Hashtag Scottish problems. <laughs> However, the only reason Flora had heard about it recently was because the previous owner had shit. No, they didn't. They did. <laughs> they, <laughs> they didn't do that. I promise they did. They didn't do that. I need to stop doing that. That's <laughs> that's going to set me off now. How am I supposed to finish this episode? <laughs> Understandably, the owner's customers weren't too happy about the way wishes were granted. Nah. I was growing irritated by this point, given she distracted me for the door. <laughs> Ran my fingers over the smooth surface. And what? No, tummy, no. I hadn't noticed in the midst of my heated discussion.
Thank you for listening to episode 47 of The Antique Shop. Episode 48 will be released in two weeks' time. Hello! It's been a, a few episodes since I've said anything... anything at the end of these episodes. So you had a few weeks of, of no rambling. I promise I will make it quick uh, this week. Uh, number one, a few interesting notes, I suppose. One is that I mentioned the cafe that this episode essentially takes place in and it's a place where you get offered sugar in your hot chocolate. This actually happened to me. So I was out with a walk with the dog when I was back home visiting my parents and I was out with my dad and we walked past this really small... It wasn't a cafe, it didn't have any seating or anything like that. It was like a counter. I don't know if you maybe have it in the US but in the UK it's kind of like... It is a builder's cafe but it's not a cafe because it doesn't have seats. It's just got this counter and then you've got all these like really unhealthy things in the in the counter. It's got a fridge full of like soft drinks and then the kitchen's like right behind the counter and you can see everything. And it's it's usually where you go for like sausage butties or yeah, <laughs> traditional Scottish cuisine that'll give you heart disease at 50 essentially. So yeah, I went in for um for a hot chocolate because I um I can't drink caffeine. There you go, there's another fun fact about me. I, I don't drink caffeine. And I didn't really want the tea or anything like that. So yeah, I wanted this hot chocolate. And it's just one of those instant, horrible, watery hot chocolates that essentially they just put like water into this like cup. It's, it's pretty grim. So yeah, it's not like your Costa or your Starbucks hot chocolate, like artisan, <laughs> artisanal hot chocolate. It literally is just like instant hot chocolate with hot water and it, it's grim <laughs> but it's it's just one of those things that you get because there's nothing else there so yeah, I, I asked for this hot chocolate and she um the woman behind the counter was a few of them and she literally said oh do you want sugar in it and I must have looked at her in such a horrified way because she was like oh there are some people that put hot that put sugar in it and I'm like those people have are going to get diabetes very quickly if they do that because I'm not kidding this hot chocolate it's literally just sugar it doesn't even taste of hot chocolate like chocolate it is just sugar water but you still it's, it it comes in a tiny little cup though it's not like a full sized like cup it's just a very small one it's like a few pounds it's not as I said it's not Costa or Starbucks it's not like a expensive thing it's like two quid for a coffee or like one fifty for a hot chocolate. And the cups are like half the size that they would be in a, a chain cafe. But yeah, she said, <laughs> my face, I can't, I'm one of those people, you, you'll never know this, but I'm one of those people that I, can, I find it very difficult to hide my facial expressions. So when this woman offered me sugar in this hot chocolate that for me is already pretty painful to drink because it's so sweet, my face must just have dropped. And I'm like, people don't actually put sugar in that, do they? How sweet do you want it? Jesus. So yes, fun fact. I myself did actually get offered sugar in my hot chocolate, which was has scarred me for life, apparently. <laughs> so yes, there you go. Fun fact about Glasgow cafes. Not so interesting stories aside, I have a recommendation, a podcast recommendation for everyone. So yes, I know that a lot of you look for recommendations of things that are similar to the antique shop. And obviously there are quite a few that are relatively similar, but not quite. But this one is probably the closest. So it's called McGillicuddy's... Can I say that properly? McGillicuddy and Murder's Pawn Shop. I will leave a link in the, the show notes. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll leave a link to the actual podcast in the show notes. 
So that's McGillicuddy and Murder's Pawn Shop. It's been going quite a lot longer than the antique shop. It's on like 90 odd episodes. So there's plenty of episodes for you to get through. And it's very similar in tone and style to the antique shop. Single narrator, single female narrator. Uh, not Scottish, but I, I, <laughs> there's not very many of them. So yeah, not, not a Scottish podcast, but it is in every other way very similar to this podcast. So I recommend going and giving that a listen since obviously it takes me a while to get episodes out and I have nowhere near the back catalogue that uh, that this creator has. So yes, please go and check that out. It might fill the void that I create by only releasing two episodes a month. I will leave a link to this podcast and the name of it in the show notes or in the show description for this episode and you can go and fill your boots on quirky and strange female narrated fiction. <laughs> whilst I, in between episodes, in between my episodes. I think that's me. Oh, no, right, the second one, that was something I, I, I didn't write down. Scottish vocabulary time. I used the word dauber in this episode, and I don't think I've used the word before, which is quite surprising, considering how much I used to use it when I lived at home. Dauber is a Scot- another Scottish word for idiot, essentially. As I, I have said multiple times, there are plenty of words for idiot in Scots, in, in, like, in Scottish or in the Scots language. Dauber is just one of many. I don't think I've ever, apart from roaster, I don't think I've ever repeated word, like there's so many words for idiot that I could probably use all of, I would never have to repeat one. <laughs> if I used a different word for idiot every time I use the term idiot, I would probably never run out of Scottish words that mean that. <laughs> so Dauber, D-O-B-B-E-R is just another word for idiot. It, it probably has a bit more of a specific meaning, but I've always heard it used and I've always used it with reference to that person's a, a dauber, you know, a person's a stupid idiot or whatever. So it's essentially the same as roaster. I think roaster's slightly different in that roaster's more like a, an idiot, but it's more like a kind of a waste of space, kind of. Roaster. Yeah, roaster is more like somebody that's not going anywhere with their life. They're kind of like a, you know, a kind of useless person. They're not going to be doing anything much with their life. Whereas Dauber is a wee bit less vicious than that, I think. Dauber is just more like a, you're a stupid idiot. You know, you've done something stupid, you're a dauber. Whereas a roaster is a bit more sinister. But that might just be my interpretation of those two words. But that's how I kind of view the two. Anyway, that's besides the point. I haven't used roaster in a while either. Oh, dear. <laughs> so yes, Dauber. I might have used it before, but there's. I think somebody emailed me in the last month or two, and there's been a few co- a few reviews that have stated like the the Scottish language sometimes can be a bit difficult to understand, and I realised that I kind of do just put words Scottish words in and never explain them unless they are particularly out there. So yes, I thought I'd start <laughs> I start doing a glossary of terms. <laughs> I've written a podcast where I need a glossary, but yes, dauber is essentially just the same as roaster. It just means a stupid person. So yes, hopefully I'll never have to use that again. I'm still not at the end of the number of words for for idiot in Scottish. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next time.